Hey, y'all, welcome back to Erase the State. It's Maddie Kay, flying co-hostless again this week. Uh, Mikey Two Names is around. Don't know where he is. He's not here. But we have our first repeat guest, my main man, my good friend, the mayor of Spooky Town himself, Dexter De La Paz. What's up, Paz? How's it going, folks? I'm glad to be back. I am absolutely jazzed about what we have planned for you here. <laughs> this uh, this could be a wild one. I hope it's going to be a wild one. <laughs> I know I'm going to enjoy it. Okay, so so just to step you back, th- this is for you too, Pause. So probably the second time that I met our friend, our, our dear friend, and our compadre, Mr. Carr Campit. I don't know how it came up. We were talking about some bullshit, you know, as we do. And uh, it, it came up that that I was the moon guy because for a brief time, I was into the flat earth stuff. You know, it's it's still... The the the, the debate and the arguments are interesting, um, but I am definitely a firm believer that we did not, in fact, land on the moon. So, I retweeted a video <laughs> that has some, <laughs> some very interesting points. And I think... We would like to step through them one by one, and I would like to have Pause himself address these points. So, Pause, are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Let's take it uh, one at a time here, or however you want to do it. Okay, so, point number one. The Earth is flat, and it is covered by a dome. Yeah, so, <laughs> I think... <laughs> okay, point, point number two. We got that on record. Perfect. <laughs> Please so continue. I, I th- Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about that is not just that they're saying that, but the way the flat earth theory has developed post-social media culture. Because that's kind of a thing that's always been floating around, but nobody was interested in talking about it because there was always more interesting things like the hollow earth or X, Y, or Z other thing. But then when you saw professional athletes, of all people, start to get really into the flat earth, exactly. it took off again out of absolutely nowhere. And then on top of that, you're starting to see the subtle evolutions of it. Like this idea of the earthen dome over the top of the flat earth, the quote-unquote firmament, permanent, there we go. I can say words, I promise. <laughs> It has always been a it's part okay. of that, right? But it took time to re-evolve into it and to become a talking point. Right. So you can kind of see how modern flat earthers have had to relearn their own lore. You know, exactly. and it's interesting to see a conspiracy rediscovered the way that has been. Thank you, internet and social media. Okay, so are we ready for point number two? Sure. NASA admitted to photoshopping all photos of Earth. What say you, Pause? See, now this one sounds extremely wild up front, right? But it's like, not. oh my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> there's no real pictures of the Earth from space. And as it turns out, you know, maybe there is, maybe there's not. But they have confirmed on record that they do, in fact, at least touch up their photos. They call them the composite prob- photos. Yes, yeah, where they're combining images and touching them up to allegedly get a more clear or accurate picture. Exactly. That leaves this massive opening for, hey, what if that picture was never taken in the first place? And you've got 
some freaking graphic design major in your basement creating these pictures wholesale because they don't actually exist. Right. Well, and, you know, never, it, never mind even the, the picture of Pluto that came out, I don't know, five years ago, whatever it was. Said, oh, this is the clearest p- picture we've ever had of, of Pluto. Well, did, did you take a look at it? Because one of the, the, the basins, like the southern end of Pluto, kind of has this Pluto the dog shape to it. it. It looks like the head of Pluto, the cartoon character, if you outline it. So, I don't know. What? Just, seriously? Seriously. I, I don't think I ever actually saw that one. I'm going to be I'll, honest with you. you. I'll send you a link yeah, after please. the show. <laughs> like DM me or something. That's yeah. wild. <laughs> Absolutely, I will. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it could be, you know, humans are designed to see, like, you know, everybody sees Jesus in a, in a, a, a chip, right? A, a tortilla chip. But humans right. are designed to see faces and things because we, we want to recognize something else when we don't know what it is. So it could very well be that it's an actual image of a planet. However, it, it just it's it's odd that it's shaped like the cartoon character Pluto and the planet's name is Pluto. So whatever. And I'm old, so yeah. Pluto's still a planet to me. Sure. That or, you know, maybe the real conspiracy here is that that is in fact Pluto the dog out there in space. It's some sort Ooh. of ultra terrestrial being. You know, we haven't that, ruled that out yet. That's a we? cartoon that I would watch in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of space whale dog thing. Exactly. All right. So let's move on to, to point number three here. In 1969, Richard Nixon pretended to call the moon uh, on a landline. Yeah. I mean, look, I very technically speaking work in the telecoms industry. Mm-hmm. So I should have some background or enough background as to how phones work. To say, oh, this is possible, or oh, this isn't even possible, but I don't. So I'm just going to sit here and say, how the hell did he manage that anyways? Was the landline running to a freaking uh, broadcast array where they shot the s- signal over a radio signal, like a rebroadcast sort of thing? Or were they running phone line out of the back of the rocket? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I like both theories. But if so, if someone could explain to me how you can call the moon on a landline, I'd love to hear it. You know, right. I'm sure and it I'm, might be possible. But yeah, I'm not opposed to thinking that, you know, they they could route this landline from the from the White House into some you know NASA telecommunications center and then broadcast that to the to the moon. Right. Uh, I'm not right. opposed to that thought. What what I do have some concern about, and I, I haven't looked into it. But I've heard enough people at least state that no one even really had the power to send back audio and video telecommunications from that distance at the time in the 60s. So I've heard it said that the entire operation is highly dubious just based on that. Yeah, well, and that would be interesting too, right? How much... You'd almost certainly have to do it over radio waves, right? I don't know how else you'd get the signal back down. So how much radio broadcast equipment would you have to pack into the already limited space to even attempt something like that? Yeah. Just unanswered questions, right? Isn't that also like, wouldn't that require some sort of line of sight? And then if we're bouncing the signal to get there, like how, what what are we bouncing off of? I, I don't know. I have, I have questions. Like yeah. most of this, I have well, questions. Well, right. You know, th- those are, in fact, the questions to ask, you know. Right. And again, I won't rule out plausible answers. I won't pretend that that's my specific area of ex- expertise. Sure. You know, I find radios fascinating, but I'm not 
familiar enough with their workings to tell you, oh, yeah, you could certainly do that because X, Y, and Z. All right. So point number whatever we're on now. Three, four. Yeah, something like I think it's four. NASA is Hebrew for deceive. Thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you run into this sort of thing a whole awful lot, especially in conspiracy circles. Mm-hmm. Where uh, you'll see this word translates as this because of, you know, X, Y, or Z. And uh, I think generally the entire school of thought needs to be more or less debunked. And I know a lot of people won't want to hear that. But uh, that's also where you get things like Zacharias Sitchin and all of his nonsense about aliens coming to farm the earth of gold resources. Sure. Because he claimed to be a linguist and then, you know, straight up failed to translate Sumerian completely. So, you know, I uh, I would tend to say, no, that's not a thing. Yeah, and I've, But I would also point out that I don't technically speak ancient Hebrew either, though. Sure, yeah, and, and I've heard it debunked before. Again, I'm... I'm also not a Hebrew speaker myself, um, but I've heard it debunked by people who do claim to be Hebrew speakers and, and linguists and, you know, professors and shit like that and say, no, it's, it's similar to a word that means deceive, but it's, it's not actually NASA. So, right. right. Take, take that for what you that, will. That's where, that's where <laughs> I land on a lot of this stuff, though. You know, you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Sure. Where you miss an emphasis mark in the writing once, and all of a sudden you've got a completely different word. You know, that's how it works in almost any language. Sure. And English is flexible enough to avoid that sort of problem. And I think that's where a lot of English speakers in general run into translation issues. Right. So, right. All right. So, our next point, which I think is five, this is where we're going to start getting into the good stuff. If, if no one already considered the rest of what we talked about, the good stuff. So 53 nations declared Antarctica banned from exploration. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, there's a treaty, an international treaty governing, governing just what you can and can't do on Antarctica. And technically speaking, it's open to scientific missions from all nations but, you know, it then requires government oversight approval and X, Y, Z to the point where you can't just as a rando go anywhere near it. Sure. Effectively creating a government lockdown or control over the continent. Now, obviously, it is still possible to visit on pre-planned and approved, um, what's the word for it? Cruise, cruise routes. Right. And that's where a lot of people get down there. But otherwise, you got to be a government employee or a contractor on a scientific mission there. Sure. Now, where all of that gets even more wild is when you start looking at some of the names that have been down there. Specifically, I want to call you back to just before the 2016 election, you know, late in 2015, going all the way back 20 years ago or whatever that was now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it certainly feels like it. I'll tell you that. But you had people like the United States Secretary of State, John Kerry at the time. That's right. Buzz That's right. Aldrin. Yeah, Buzz Aldrin, the um, patriarch of the Eastern Orthodox Church. 
and all of these other people all going down to Antarctica within just a couple months of each other. Hmm. And it really makes a person wonder, what are all of these people doing down there at this time within such close proximity of each other? And that's when the Antarctica stuff really started taking off in conspiracy lore. You know, not that it hadn't already been there, because it most certainly had. But it, it got a new focus. It was the flavor of the day again for a while. Sure, sure. People were talking about, oh, they're down there because they found a pyramid. Or they're down there because they found a starship under the ice. And all these other things. It was... It was a fun and fascinating time to listen to overnight radio. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so was there anything going on at that time that would sort of tickle the fancy of the Luciferians and lizard people out there? Or, or was it just a coincidence? <laughs> well, that's where you got to turn your flashlight on and really start looking, right? Now, to the best of my knowledge, nothing was ever leaked or released or we found any confirmation that they found something. But the fact that that area has always traditionally been a hotbed for their alleged activities, in addition to the connections going back to Operation High Jump and the Nazi escape and the gateway to the hollow earth, you know, Antarctica is always a prime target for that sort of thing. And while there was no confirmation of anything, you'll see... Uh, People who are clearly in the grifter camp and on that circuit, they are still making their money off claims about Antarctica and it being used as a landing pad for extraterrestrial visitors. Mm, gotcha. I, I think I've steered clear uh, of most of the grifters in that camp since I've sort of moved away from the ET UFO thing. So I, I'm not as up to speed on, on some of those theories, apparently. Yeah, yeah, I'd say a lot of it's still a fun listen as long as you take it with a grain of salt. You sure, know? sure. Like, you can realize that someone is clearly trying to score cash off marks and still enjoy the content they put out for free when you keep it in the proper context. Gotcha. All right, so our next point here, and this is one that I, I go full libertarian and throw on my fedora and kind of give you the side eye and say, well, actually. Um <laughs> So there's, there's a 150-foot ice wall that nobody has ever crossed in Antarctica. Thoughts yeah. on the ice wall? And this is just another staple of flat Earth thought, right? You know, that's the, the uh, edge of the Earth, the beginning sure. of the firmament. And, you know, I just want to say, show me literally any proof of that whatsoever. You know, there's, there's absolutely, in my mind, no reason to believe that's a thing. And I'm not necessarily completely up to speed on the flat earth stuff. So if you even could tell me where they think they're coming from, you know, what the yeah. hell? So I think on this one, it's, it's a little more, I don't know. I'm always dubious of, of theories that, that put hard and fast numbers, like 150 feet to certain things. Um, right. And it, it kind of gets, it makes a better bumper sticker, right? It makes a better Absolutely. slogan. But what, what the thought actually is, is that, and I'm sure you know, Antarctica on the flat earth model is not the continent that we picture it on the globe or as it's shown on the globe. It's actually a ring which surrounds our portion of the plane that represents earth. Yeah. So, you'd hit Antarctica no matter where you go, if you go a sufficient distance. Right. Where, right. Where, wherever your compass points south, you're going to run into that ring. So north would be towards the center 
if you picture, say, you draw a circle with a compass, the pin mm-hmm. part of the compass is north, the, the pencil line part of the compass that you've drawn the circle with, that's south. So that's, that's where Antarctica would lie. Is it 150 feet tall? I don't know what the fucking highest point on Antarctica is. So that, that would be whatever the height of that supposed quote-unquote ice wall would be. So it's kind of a misnomer to say that it's an ice wall because I don't think any, uh, I hesitate to say this, but any serious flat earther <laughs> thinks that there's an actual <laughs> and literal ice wall that surrounds, uh, that surrounds the Earth as we know it. Um, but it, it, they just mean the continent of Antarctica. And it just gets very cold. It's far away from the sun. Um, and that's what keeps us here, whether there's a dome or, or no dome. Sure. And I would just like to point out additionally that that ice wall is a lot of their justification or why they explain the Antarctic Treaty exists in the first place. Right. You know, a lot of them like to say, hey, this treaty is in place to stop people from going and seeing its reality for themselves, you know, right. trying to lock down that secret. Yeah, and that a lot of that too comes from, or at least sort of the explanation around it comes from. It, it was Operation High Jump, right? Is that that what Bird was on, Admiral Bird? Yeah, that was the Admiral Bird story. But I would also point out that that's also the origin story for much of modern Hollow Earther thought too. Okay, well we'll have to get into that afterwards because I am, I'm a complete retard when it comes to Hollow Earth theory. Um, but yeah, so I, I know that, or I, at least I, I think I remembered it was it was Bird who mentioned um, after that operation was complete, there was a, a big mobilization of, of people down there and they all pulled out rather rapidly. Um, but one of his comments in a journal entry or something like that, which the, the authenticity of said comment is a little dubious, I think, at best. But uh, he was quoted as saying in the journal as uh, something to the effect of, you know, I, I saw beyond... Antarctica or beyond that that continent um, beyond what, what people would call the ice wall and he saw other continents and land masses out there that were unknown so some people believe that they got close enough on that expedition to see past what we know as our current realm so there could be other earths out there that's kind of where those some of those theories come from that we all exist on the same plane they're just you got a little puddle of life here a little puddle of life you know yeah, islands in the whatever. Great Sea of Existence sort of right, deal. Right. But uh, to stay on that Admiral Byrd thing for just a moment. Absolutely. That that journal that you're referring to was formally, or maybe even a better word would be publicly rather, debunked in like 1958 or something shortly after his death. Well, there you, you have know, it. There's a lot of people out there that say, yeah, this just is not a thing. Someone wrote this and somehow got it published when they shouldn't have. But with my skepticism, obviously, of media and of publishing, I'll leave the 1% chance, just one, 1% that maybe it's real. But there's a lot of reasons to think that that journal was a bunch of hogwash. I'm with you. The hard data there, though can be verified that Admiral Byrd led a U.S. Armada all the way to Antarctica for ostensibly to train in Arctic maneuvers in case we had to fight the Soviets, Mm. and that they all turned around rather very quickly. You know, and just why they turned around and ended the exercise, that becomes the matter of debate. You know, did they run into the surviving Third Reich? Do they run into aliens? Do they run into the hollow earth? There's a 
there's a whole lot going on there. And like I said, Emerald Bird's a lot of fun because he sits at the epicenter of some really wild and out there conspiracy theories. It's a lot of fun. But that was also kind of a wild time for exploration, right? I mean, we had a lot of technolo- technological, ugh, a lot of technological advances, um, and we were exploring new areas with that technology. So, you know, theories kind of run rampant about what was seen and why things, why, why decisions were made, and why projects were canceled and all that good stuff. So, yeah, that, that's yeah, kind of my thought mean- anyway. On that note, it is worth noting, too, that all of that was also running concurrently when the UFO craze itself really first started here in the U.S. Right. You know, that was all happening within a year, two years of every other thing. So. Right. Okay. So our next point. Space is a fake concept to create cosmic dread in society. Yeah. And this just gets back to I feel like this is more flat earth trutherism. You know, space isn't real. There's no way it could be real. You're telling me there's just a void above us? Sure. And they want to play it off as, oh, this is just outright propaganda. It's used to keep us in our place and to stop us from trying to go to the top of the dome. Right. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I hope it's a sturdy limb, and say, (laughs) I think space is probably real. Just to make that clear to your audience, I think space is real. (laughs) I like that you said probably. (laughs) I am 100% certain that space is most likely real. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I can say with 98% probability, that is an actual thing. Yeah, so yeah, I I would tend to agree with you. Um, I I guess just um, to add a little flavor, uh, a little little host's garnish here, if you will, um, from the devil's advocate side of things, Flat Earthers especially will be the main ones to tell you here that, you know, when you think of space, right, you think of the void. That is a constantly changing concept and theory and truth within the scientific community, specifically NASA researchers. So back in the 60s when we were in the middle of the space race, space was a void, right? Mm. No no matter there or at least infinitesimal matter, like you you can't measure it. Right. Well, now the theory is that the moon, 200 and whatever thousand miles away, is actually within Earth's extended atmosphere. Thin. Yeah. Thin, but within the atmosphere. So, so you know, both of us, I think, in school learned that space was a void. Space is a vacuum. Well, now we're learning that space technically isn't a vacuum or, you know, if you want to give it a wink and a nod or squint a little bit, at least it's a, it's a very weak vacuum um, or, or not quite as strong as we thought it was because there is matter there. So it's not a true vacuum like we, like we once thought. So anyway, that's just the other side of the coin for, for the, the skeptics. I think that is very important to keep in mind. It's not like it's truly empty, you know. There's, there's stuff everywhere. It's just a matter of maybe the density of the stuff that's out sure, there. Sure, sure. All right, so our next one. Saturn emits evil vibrations. I feel like this is right up your alley as we enter spooky season. The <laughs> height of spooky season. Yeah, so this this too especially, this, if I'm remembering correctly, actually plays into the next couple of ones, but we'll take it kind of point by point like you sure. said, right? And this was this was big with the dawning of the New Age stuff. 
and actually was also big with a lot of uh, pre-Christian religions, too. You know, Saturn has always had some sort of deific form, and that's been adopted and co-opted by the New Agers and the astrologers and whatnot, and it's become this beacon of um, evil or negativity here within our... I guess the right way to say it's within our solar system, you know, like that's where all the bad stuff comes from. Right. And that gets super interesting. Like I said, when you play it with the next couple of points, that video will bring up, but not just that, but when you start looking at, uh, other things like the nature of the planet itself, because correct me if I'm wrong, but Saturn is the one with the massive unending chemical hurricane on its surface too. Right. I believe or is that Jupiter? Maybe? That's correct. It, it could be Jupiter, also another deity. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. So fact checkers out there, please please fact check us. Yes, yeah, please. Actually, that's why I'm super interested in. Again, that's that specifically is a little weak point of knowledge for me. But to get to the core of the point, yeah, it's kind of presented as this cosmic other or this cosmic bad. Sure. And to work back to Zachariah Sitchin a little bit, actually... Um, that's where his planet X and the Anunnaki came from, not Saturn specifically, I'm saying, but from like beyond Saturn, you know, and it was an approach vector sort of right. thing. Right. Like we can't see it right because it's always hidden behind Saturn, Nibiru or mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll, so we'll slide right into the next one here. All evil religions receive energy from Saturn. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's a direct tie together. And there's a very special and hard-to-find class of conspiracy researcher that focuses on this thing. And interestingly enough, they're never really the types that make it onto the talk show circuit, even among the hard-to-find information of in conspiracy publishing. It's still hard to find their works. And, you know, it, it, it's hard to track down stories on these theories and this information. But like I said, it plays to the previous point in that there are sects or groups or cults on Earth that worship Saturn as this beacon, this um, light of dark energy, you know, this ray of darkness. So do you think that the information is being purposely suppressed or is it just too far out there to be picked up on by people? by the common person. I think that not to sound wishy-washy, but I think it could be both, you know, right? Sure. Like obviously this, the conspiracy space has a few definitive places that you go to get your information out there. Right. You know, we all know the big talk radio shows. We all know the most popular conspiracy podcasts. There's a few publishing houses that specialize in this stuff. And for when you say reason, conspiracy podcasts, you mean the Fagcast, right? Well, you know, that's the one that your <laughs> audience is going to know immediately. Yes, exactly. But actually, if I can't just uh, throw out a couple plugs, though, because there Please are some do. good ones. Please do. The radio show Ground Zero yes. offers its show as a podcast, too. So if you can't catch that one because they have a dwindling uh, set of broadcasters, find okay. them as a podcast. They're really good. I did not there's, know they had a podcast. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Then, obviously, there's things like Midnight in the Desert over the radio waves, Coast to Coast over the radio waves. 
the higher side chats, those guys are just phenomenal. And then you'll get other shows like Conspiranormal, and uh, there's a lot of other good ones out there, including mine, The Gaslight Hour, now available on iTunes. Yes, finally. Do you have new episodes coming out? We've got some stuff in the works. Okay. Yeah. We, we have a long production process. Gotcha. And, you know, I, I wish... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure where I was going to go with that. We have a long production process. It's a long time between episodes, so I'll apologize to you. I'll apologize to our listeners, but, you know, it's worth the wait. We like to think we have a very high production value and that we get everything right the first time on there. It makes me enjoy it even more. There you go. All right, so our next point here, Saturn is worshipped in the form of a black cube. Again, tying the previous points back together, this is where stuff starts to get really wild, right? Yes. Because there is a uh, black cube at CIA headquarters. Yes, I believe that's a, that's a point here as well. Not specifically calling out the CIA, but it's a point that comes oh, up. Oh, is it? Yes, Okay, it is. well, perfect. And then, you know, the super hot button one that no one really wants to touch. But uh, do you know what's at the Muslim holy site in Mecca? It's a large black cube in the, that is a piece of stone that fell from the sky. Oh, really? Is it? Yes. Huh. Yes, I was, I was going to ask you about you that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but between see, that because and the, of, icon, the icon, iconography, that's the word. Yeah. Between an actual black cube, between black cube iconography at other holy sites, whether they're primitive or modern throughout the world, you start to see this weird pattern where institutions that hold power just all seem to have black cubes for some reason. And a lot of times it's totally unexplained. And you know, when it is explained, it's kind of played off as symbolism for X, Y, or Z other things. Right. But, you know, people in this space, we love to connect dots. Sure. We love to exercise pattern recognition. You've got and to just find so that happens crimson thread. That that's how we find it, right? Yeah, it's finding the crimson thread. Scarlet, yeah. Scarlet, scarlet, crimson, whatever. It's red, okay? It's the a red, red thread. thread. Yeah. yeah. So, so as, as a Christian and... As a conspiracy enthusiast, I so because I don't know enough about the black cube thing. When I read that or see that or hear that, I see that as a, a possible grifter's attempt to sell books based on paranoia surrounding Islam B because of the black cube thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, but. You brought up some, you know, primitive sites that have black cubes. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I am completely unaware of these things. Yeah, let me see if I can find some browser bookmarks for you because I don't want to sure. misquote anything. You know, strive for honesty and information. Well, and while you're doing that, I can, I can hit the next one. I think maybe one or two here. So the next point is there are statues of black Saturn cubes in government buildings across the world. And of course you mentioned the CIA having a black cube. Mm -hmm. um, Israel's intelligence agency is named black cube. I don't, I don't know if that's accurate, but I, I would assume that that can be, you know, proven or disproven via, via a quick Google search. Uh, we changed shapes after that. So, 
we can, we can pause until you find your, your browser bookmarks. Yeah. Yeah. It talks about, uh, the one that I have specifically bookmarked talks about, uh, Egyptian deities and the black cube being the symbol of Set in traditional Egyptian paganism. Is Set related uh, to Saturn? Set is their god of uh, war, chaos, disorder, I think is the best way to put it. I know he had connections to their underworld as well. Okay. So, you know, if you want to take that as inherently evil... I don't think it's a severe stretch, but sure. it isn't necessarily the same exact thing. How did the Egyptians that, view, view Saturn? Saturn, the planet, i that's astronomy. You know, I, I don't okay. know what they thought of the planet necessarily, but, you know, it, it goes back to connecting those dots of Saturn worship, Saturn being associated with evil, with plague, with disorder, with the bad stuff over there. Sure. Well, so, so, well, you said Set was, was in charge of disorder. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Or he was the deity that represented it. Sure. You know, sure. He was so one so of their Set, underworld figures, their God of war, their God of chaos. So if he represents chaos and Saturn is sort of responsible for chaos, maybe there's some, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking for a tie in. Sure. Well, you know, it, it's about sort of, this is going to sound like a weird way to describe it, but it's like the mouthfeel of connected terms, right? You know, I there's like kind of an inherent association between evil and chaos and disorder and war. And, sure. you know, while none of these things are all exactly the same thing, they are generally lumped together because I think it's safe to say they are all properly viewed as the bad stuff, right? Gotcha. All right, so our next point here. Back to NASA. NASA promotes a fake photo showing a hexagon on Saturn. Yeah, you know, and this kind of works back to what we were talking about with them photoshopping all of the images that they receive. You sure. know, we we very rarely, if at all, ever see the raw footage or the raw pictures. We know that there's a broadcast delay from the ISS, mm -hmm. and I think that's super reasonable. Because even with modern transmission technologies, there's no way that there wouldn't be. But a lot of um, conspiracy theorists like us like to say that's because they're taking time to edit out UFOs and shit. Sure. But, you know, just to the core point, if they're Photoshopping Earth for whatever reason, I don't think it's unreasonable to say they're Photoshopping other stuff for whatever ends fits their agenda. Well, and the thing about the hexagon, too, I, I think what the the story or the narrative was surrounding that is that NASA saw it with, I don't know, whatever probe got sent out, right? Mm -hmm. And they claimed it was a storm in the shape right. of a hexagon, which, I mean, I didn't measure it, but to the naked eye, it's like it was this perfect hexagon. Yeah. I, I don't understand how that's a thing. Um, and I, I don't, also understand like so I don't understand how, how a storm could be in the shape of a hexagon because Saturn's a sphere, we're a sphere, or an oblate spheroid if you want to get really technical about it. However, you know, it spins, we spin, it rotates, we rotate. So ostensibly the storms should behave I I would assume similarly, because on other planets you see storms which are circular or ovular in shape. So here they go with this with this hexagon, 
but also because it's we're expecting this to be on a sphere, not a plane. We wouldn't be able to see that as a as a as an accurate representation of a hexagon. It, it would be bent or curved. You know, so there should be some some curved lines, not not straight lines connecting points. So, well, that's. I'm highly no, dubious right. of this image. <laughs> that's that's exactly what makes it weird, and that becomes the question, right? Like, how on earth did they find this example of perfect geometry in a world that, while it obeys geometric law, is the furthest fucking thing from perfect, right? Sure, sure. So, you know, and that's... <laughs> that just is what it is, you know? Why the fuck is there a perfect hexagon on Saturn? Yeah, well, and with... Well, you tell me, NASA. Yeah. With with all of this too, like you know, with NASA, and, and you you can't fact check this. Whatever it, NASA has admitted that they Photoshop photos from space because they have to. So you can believe that they're actual photos, but they do say that they they at least touch them up and retouch them and add things and subtract things. So, right. When I first got into the moon thing, and shout out to Texas Tsunami here. He's a great follow. If you don't follow him, please do. Living it up, living the high What's life. The, in is Singapore. that the handle Texas Tsunami? At Texas Tsunami. Okay. So. When we first, and he and I kind of got into this moon stuff together, we, we both kind of believed that, you know, like we were the moon guys. So we were, we were right. the moon guys separately, but we didn't really say anything to anybody until we started talking about it with each other. Um, yeah, then we got, that we, became safe. You had backup, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> so then we became like proselytizing moon guys. Like we tried to get other people on board um, and came very close with a lot. Um, and then we, you know, very briefly, you, get, you watch enough YouTube videos, you get sucked down some really strange rabbit holes. So that, that's kind of how we got into the flat earth thing, at least from an so, interesting. Like, Go ahead. I'll, I'll say this, you know, I used to do third shift security. You know, it's back in the day now. It was over a year ago when I left that job. You've got lots but that of was one on of my third shift. Yeah. Well, that was one of my favorite things from when I started that job right until the day I quit it was whenever it got to the point where I was a, uh, the third shift supervisor. So whenever I would uh, come into work and we'd have new guards or something, because <laughs> the, the turnover in personnel in private security is just massive at the entry level. Sure. You know, high end stuff's a great gig, but at the entry level, you can't keep people to save your life, especially overnight. So it became kind of a rite of passage for my guys to, instead of doing the rounds, they'd sit in the control center with me. I would just make them watch these absurd YouTube rabbit holes with me. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I like that yeah, so much. We so, uh, we did a lot. We did a lot of Baghdad Stargate stuff. That was one of my favorite rabbit holes on YouTube. But okay, I want to come back to that when we're done with the list. I think we have a lot of pins here, probably. But I, re please remember that because I'll forget. <laughs> okay, for sure. So. You know, we're going down these rabbit holes, right? And like when it, when it first came around to the moon thing, while, while we started questioning other things about NASA and space and stuff like that is once you come to the realization or, or once you come to have the belief that NASA at least lied about the data surrounding the moon missions, they faked, they faked the window shot. I'm sure you've seen this where they're, they're blocking out light from the window to make it appear as though they're, they're really far from the earth and they take the covering off and they're like right next to earth in low earth orbit. It seems like, um, once you start seeing stuff like this and it's like, okay, this is clearly a lie for whatever reason, whether it was like, well, we, we fucked up the video, so we had to redo it. So now we're just playing it back and we're trying to re reset the shot and, and make it kind of like it was the first time around, whatever. If they lied about one thing, 
what else did they lie about? And you, you start finding these rabbit holes all on your own, right? You just start looking at things differently. Yeah. You look at all the data differently. And then like once you once you come up against weird things that you have no explanation for, you just kind of go, huh. And that's how we started like converting a few people or trying to convert people is like, you know, you, you drop enough points on them and they can explain some away. But they always get to that one and they're like, they just kind of look off into space and go, huh. I never, I never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, and it, like, it's, yeah, it's always a different one for everyone, right? right Everyone's exactly. got that one thing they can't quite process, and yeah. that's where it always begins with everyone. And you know, I, I think that's really fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just that's that's exactly how you get people. You find the question they can't answer, and then once that, that's how you breach the trust of authority with anything, too. Sure. You know, I don't want to get political because that's not my thing anymore. But that works the same exact way if you're trying to perpetuate certain ideologies. You know, Absolutely. you're you find something that the person can't respond to and you start to work out from there because they will unspool their own worldview. You know, I think that the average person at least, maybe not the metaphorical and literal lizards in power, aren't necessarily but I think the average person wants to find the truth and, you know, they're comfortable changing their worldview when presented with different information. Well, luckily I, I do hear that the truth is out there. Supposedly. <laughs> All right. So the next point here, which I think we, we kind of touched on this briefly, Greeks and Romans worshiped Saturn as a cruel deity. So nothing. Yeah. It's it just there. all kinds of, yeah, it all kind of gets back into that, and I'm sure enough of our enough of your listeners understand ancient mythology or had an interest in it at some point ever to know, yeah, that was one of their chief deities. He was one of the bad ones, and that's how their pantheons took over by overthrowing this evil one. Sure, you know, it, it's a pretty standard story throughout human culture, which is in and of itself interesting how they all managed to share these same base patterns, whether shaped by evolutionary you know society building or by some other means right right okay so the next one i think we're nearing the end here black screen on tech devices are occult scrying mirrors thoughts so i want to say it was october 2017 Maybe it was 16. It was October of 16 or 17. I was listening to Coast to Coast AM overnight mm -hmm. at work. Like you do. my industrial site. Yep. And uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, you know, may she rest in peace, recently deceased, was their guest that night. They were doing a Halloween special. Okay. And she was talking about her experience in scrying with black mirrors. Okay. And she was talking about specifically, you know, specific to her traditions, using polished obsidian because using a black substance polished to, you know, shine and reflect instead of a clear one would let you access supposedly the dark realms. Gotcha. Where you could find other information as opposed to the stuff available, you know, on other planes of existence. And that all gets real interesting because you do start realizing that, oh, yeah, all of our technological devices are based on having black surface mirrors. And, you know, whether or not there's anything to that, I tend to think that it's just 
how the engineering works. Yeah. But you can have a lot of fun with it if you decide, oh, no, it's not just nature of engineering. Sure, sure. So, well, it, you know, so like we I'm kind of about... inherently skeptical, but it's it's super fun to think about. Right. Though. But when you're talking about LED type devices, right, it all works with backlighting and turning on and off crystals, right? So right, exactly. The crystals on or crystals off. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not that type of engineer. I have no idea. But when the light is not being emitted, it's it's black naturally, and it's just the way it is. You don't want to stare at a white screen; it's kind of dumb. Right. Uh, which I, I guess they could have. Like there was the the what was the little e reader? One of the first ones that came out, like the Nook or, or whatever, that kind of had the the paper like uh, like screen to it. Um, yeah, that that was the Nook when Barnes and Noble got into it right. before Amazon did. I had right. one of those, the original Nook back in the day. I remember that. But generally speaking, with these devices, it's you know, it's 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 on off. It just happens to be black. It's just it's just the way it is, right? Like you said, it's, it's the nature of engineering. But yeah, I, I'm about eighty percent certain that it's <laughs> literally just the mechanics of making the device efficiently from a production standpoint. But yeah, you know, I'm leaving that twenty percent because. I want these fun answers, you know. I want yeah. the wild shit to be true. I do. Well, and even you know, if you look at Apple, which I don't know, I, I listened to Owen Benjamin's podcast for a while, and can, he went kind of down the the rabbit hole of the Apple symbol and the the bitten apple as the logo <laughs> right. being representative of the the fall of man and the gar Garden of Eden, and you start pairing that together with scrying mirror on your iPhone, and it's you know, it, you can tie a lot of things together, and it gets really fun really fast. Um, sure, but that's that. There lies madness too. Exactly. You, know? you got to be careful with those poorly supported ones. Hey, just remember, spiraling up. That's, that's what you got to remember. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Spool up, not down. Yes, yes. So, uh, so that that concludes the list on the the moon stuff and space stuff. Um, was that all of them already? That was all of it. Yeah, that was all of it. I thought there was more to it for some reason, but. No, no, that was it. But, I mean, please continue. I know we, we briefly brought up uh, Hollow Earth, um, which I, I know very little about, uh, other than that some people think the Nazis escaped to the Hollow Earth. Um, we also, what else did we bring up? We brought up something else that I wanted to put a pin in. I told well, you to I'll give you a hint. The initials were BS. The Baghdad Stargate. Oh, man. yes. One of one of my favorite movies, Stargate, which yeah. I assume is only loosely connected to the actual Baghdad Stargate. Basically, not at all. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so first, let's do Baghdad Star Stargate, please. So you know, just to make this point up front, I absolutely loved the Stargate stuff too, <laughs> the movie, all of the TV series. I loved that stuff. It's fun. But uh, the Baghdad Stargate is an especially fun little piece of conspiracy lore. Uh, right around the time that the U.S. Army occupied Baghdad during Iraq II, the electric boogaloo. Okay. You know, in 03, 04, whatever it would have been, right? Yes. One of the very first places they went was they went to the Baghdad airport, which makes sense. But for whatever reason, one of the other primary targets was the Baghdad Museum. Now, why they went to the Baghdad Museum so urgently, I think is kind of an unknown. You know, I certainly don't know the answer to that. But there's a gentleman by the name of Michael Sala. 
And he is a, I want to say, I'm going to use the word well-known. You know, he's well-known on the UFO aliens are real circuit. Okay. And around this time that Baghdad was being occupied, he got himself on Coast to Coast AM. He's a recurring guest there specifically on Coast to Coast. And he claimed on live radio, as all the guests do, you know, it's a live radio show. Sure. That uh, he had received an encrypted video broadcast of high-ranking U.S. soldiers being led to, into the basement of the Baghdad Museum and them, and by extension he, over this video transmission, being shown a Stargate that was whole and functional and being kept in the basement of the Baghdad Museum. And he went on to claim that that was the actual reason we invaded Iraq. And as the <laughs> years went on, as the years went on, he totally abandoned this talking point. But there is a whole, you know, click, a whole subsection of conspiracy YouTube that is so certain that this thing is and was real and that the quest for Stargates in general is why we are still in the Middle East. And it's, it is so thoroughly absurd. It comes <laughs> from a guy who is a known book circuit grifter. And these people are just so certain it's real that I, I watch these videos regularly because it's just so wonderful to think about. A Stargate in the basement of their museum being the reason we really invaded Iraq the second time. It's so wonderful. I I'm, I regret that you dropped the thoroughly absurd so early because I had so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can shoot. There's not a lot of info out there because, so, like I said, the guy who made this up, you know, basically on spot dropped it. Why? Why did he walk away from it? I think that it's primarily because just what he's doing with his own brand kind of led him away from it. Okay. Uh, these days, a lot of his focus is on, oh, the uh, galactic congress of races and how we can get humans brought into the assembly you know he's that sort of guy that's his shtick so he and watched he, he watched star wars on acid basically okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. well <laughs> gotcha and uh you know he um he's developed a whole field of study for it called exopolitics and he's got like five <laughs> okay. books on the subject of alien politics essentially man i gotta write and a book yeah, it, it, it's really good stuff. Among his other kind of out there claims are that this Congress is keeping us confined to our solar system through some sort of energy um, force field fence around our, you know, our stellar system. We can't go past Pluto if we wanted to because the aliens are keeping us here until we're ready. Wild. My yeah. little, well, little lily pad being tended yeah. by the aliens. Okay. And if, if you want to kind of roll that back too, you know, that would be interesting because, you know, what if the Baghdad Stargate would allow us to breach that force field? Sure, sure. You know, what if that was sudden, its intended purpose? Yeah. Yeah, you know, there you go. That's a whole volume of books right there, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, again, that's kind of his bit, and I think it's a really fun one. So, yeah. so uh, just one more about that. Who, who was he alleged to have received this video and encrypted transmission from? Well, you know, a good journalist, like he would never burn their source. He never put a name on it. Okay. 
just someone in military intelligence did thought he, he needed to know. Did he did he drop like the the Tom DeLong like you know high ranking military officials type thing? Just yeah, yeah. Stop no, asking absolutely. fucking questions. That's, this is the way it is. Yeah, that's what that's what those guys all do, and I personally think that's almost a sure sign of a grift in action. Absolutely. You know, there there's ways that you can protect a source without making it sound like you made it up. Yeah. Okay, and so. What? Why him? Like, does did he have some alleged connection to the military, or some dude just like Googled his name and found him and said, "Oh, this guy needs to see this." So here's a here's a Dropbox link. Yeah, well, he'd been on the UFO circuit for a long time. He's kind of one of the OGs in that space. Okay. So you know he would have, for whatever it's worth, you know his name's probably on a fucking watch list for other reasons. <laughs> But if your name's on a list for one reason, it can be accessed for others too, which Don't I'm sure is the it. justification. Okay. So. so, all right. Well, thank you for explaining the Baghdad Stargate. I wish there was more there, but apparently there's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you dive down the YouTube rabbit hole, you can find all sorts of stuff, but it's, it's basically fan fiction. You know? Okay. Nice. <laughs> so, okay. Tell me about Hollow Earth. Well, there's really not a whole lot to tell. You know, Hollow Earth stories... Is that because it doesn't exist? Well, you know, I'm not prepared <laughs> to say that. I haven't been below the crust. That's true. I don't know what's in there. Do you? Absolutely not. I know what I've been told is in there. But, yes. Uh, you know, these sorts of stories are as old as human civilization are, too. Sure. There's uh, American Indian traditions about the ant people. Right. Who came up from South America in like just a mere week on foot because they had access to underground tunnels and an underworld they were able to travel through. There were um, stories about the journey to the center of the earth that were really popular during the pulp fictions era in the mm -hmm. early 20th century. And it all kind of came to a head with Admiral Byrd and Operation High Jump because the big conspiracy came that he found an entrance to the hollow earth down in Antarctica and that some kind of force or army repulsed his uh, training armada when he got down there. And he was told, Hey, this is the entrance. This is our front door. Stay away. So is that repelling force believed to have been the Nazis or was that the race of people that allegedly lives under the earth or, or what is that? Yeah, and that's where it becomes time to pick your favorite story. Okay. You know, it's either the lizard people came yeah. from within. Yeah. There's the idea that the Nordic aliens, the mm. tall Nordic aliens were using it as their staging ground for whatever their purpose was. Gotcha. There's the stories of the Nazi government escaping to their operating base in Antarctica. You know, and it's at that point, like I said, it's choose your own adventure. You know, who sent him home? Okay. So what's your favorite theory? You know, I, th I think the most credible one, as the word credible could be applied to any of these, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, in this context, Very most loosely. credible, right. <laughs> Finger in tight, context, please. Most credible is 15%. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I think the Nazis is probably the best potential answer. Okay. Because we know that there was at least some sort of research operation down there. Sure. There's sure. stories about fleets of U-boats escaping with officials, you know, and most of those say they fled to South America. But 
if you're fleeing to Chile or Peru, is it really that much further to go to Antarctica sort sure. of thing? Yeah, which I mean, I, I tend to believe the South America angle, but yeah, I mean, you're you're already on that the right side of the world or, or the plane, if you will. And uh, yeah, it's just a hop, skip and a jump down to the frozen continent. So why the hell sure. not, you know? So if, if I had to pick any of those, I think that's kind of the best one to operate from. Okay. But even then, that's what takes you down the rabbit hole of Nazi occultism and how did they have the tech to even be operating there at the time, you know, on a mass scale as opposed to just sending some ships down. But and so, what I so think you, is – Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. I was going to say what makes all of that more interesting though I think is that popular conspiracy from the early 90s you might remember – about underground military bases being everywhere. I do. And aliens operating out of those. Yes. So, you know, the question then becomes what kind of network is underneath there? You know, how far do those connections run? And where are they all coming from if they're underground? Are they going beneath the earth from the surface or are they coming up from somewhere? Sure, sure. And I think that's kind of an under-investigated angle of it because you hear about uh, it was the Dulce base fight where they had to send U.S. Special Forces teams down into one of those underground bases. And what that makes that story in particular actually really interesting is the quote-unquote whistleblower for it all. The guy who told the story did wind up mysteriously dead a couple years later. Interesting. So yeah. I don't think I know much about that story. I think I, I've heard it in passing, but I, I've never found any information or maybe at the time that I was looking into it just didn't have time to really fully explore it or read anything about it but if if you know more please tell me more because this is outstanding yeah well it's an actual place you know the Dolce base is real it's uh somewhere in New Mexico okay and it just so happens God, I'm trying to find the dude's name. I'm Googling frantically because I can never remember it. Sure. You know, there were a whole bunch of conspiracy theorists who just magically dropped dead in the 90s. Trying to keep one's name straight from all the others is a... A little difficult. Yeah, arduous task. But basically, one of the soldiers who claims that he was the only one who came back out of the fight, he committed suicide or he wound up dead a couple years later. Was it Thomas after- Castello? What was that? Thomas Costello. That sounds right. Okay. I was going to say his name was like George Castillo or something. Well, that's yeah, close enough. Well, yeah, and that makes me think, yeah, you're probably right. But where did you pull that name out of? Uh, first come hit out of the on DuckDuckGo. I, I looked up yeah. Dolce Bass Whistleblower. It's a YouTube video. It says uh, Thomas Castello, I guess, C-A-S-T-E-L-L-O. I don't know if that's Spanish or Italian. Um, a Dolce Bass whistleblower. That's the name of the video on YouTube. Yeah, I don't know. It's some shit like that. Okay. Well, but, please uh, please continue. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the point <laughs> is that he and his Delta Force team or whatever they were had to go down in there, ended up getting into a firefight with aliens with laser weapon technology. And, you know, none of them but him made it out after he was seeing people's limbs be disintegrated with this weird alien tech that no one could conceive of. I think those are called blasters. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> that's what we call them. Yeah. But, but he was pretty insistent that, Oh no, what could these possibly be? And, uh, yeah, that's where that story kind of ends. You know, nothing came of it. Nobody, 
you see it talked about a little bit when pe other people are talking about the alien presence on Earth. But again, it's an underexplored piece of conspiracy lore just because it kind of didn't go anywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like there was no follow up or anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to look into that. And, and maybe, I mean, you know, again, just kind of helping the other side here. Do, do you think that it didn't get any legs because there could be some, some shred of truth behind that one story and that maybe these ones that get uh, pushed out into the mainstream do so because it's simply a disinformation op. Yeah. Well, see, I think that's extremely credible. Yeah. There's literally no doubt in my mind because it's been publicly confirmed that the U S military does have underground facilities and underground bases, you know, look at our missile silos and sure. whatnot. Or look at the bunker they dug under the Greenbrier Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So These it, things it's are not known. like this stuff isn't real. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of how real. Built into the side of a mountain. You know, it, it, right. these things exist. Yeah. So, you know, the only real stretch is why were they firefighting with aliens in one of them? Yeah. You know, and that's where the natural skepticism comes in because what the fuck? You're telling me aliens somehow got into this base? And we had to spend send a special team in to go fuck them up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. It's not the weirdest story I've ever heard, but certainly not plausible. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of questions there. Because my, my immediate thought would be that, you know, we were, we were holding them captive for some reason. I don't know, like Men in Black style, right? In some sort of right. intergalactic, Earth-based prison. Um, but then, like, how did they get their laser weapons back? After escape, I, I don't know. N none of it makes sense to me, but it doesn't. It doesn't not make sense. It's you know, it's kind of one of those. Right. Well, it, it's an interesting story. Yeah. That has at least some basic kernel of truth. Sure. And at that point, you just have to start wondering about all the other things involved, and it kind of falls apart because you know, like we're saying, it doesn't really have any legs to it. Yeah. But you know, this is also the danger of having an open mind. That's too open-minded excessively open-minded you start entertaining some really weird shit yeah yeah because sometimes it, it gets a little dangerous the, the more you entertain the, the more wacky shit you start to believe and or at least give give too much credence to and uh you you kind of get down the wrong path you know it's yeah yeah and so that's something that i focus on super hard personally too is you know i love hearing all these stories i love talking about them but you need to be extremely careful about what memes you give access to your internal storage. Right? Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, pause. I think we've fully explored all the aspects of that video. Um, any, uh, any developments on the, the old dog man front? God, you know what? I, I wish. Or have you had this, time? I mean, I have. You know, Bray Road, the epicenter of the sightings, and the name of my local dog man is just a 20, 30-minute drive out into the county. Okay. So, you know, there's some evenings I get to hop out there and just tool around, you know, and check some stuff out. But it's an elaborate thing, and there's never any guarantee that you'll see anything, and there's sure. no guarantee the thing is real at all. Right, right. But it's, it's still an active, ongoing project. It's something that I want the truth truth of more than almost anything because it is so local to me and it is sure. so wild. But 
what I'm getting at is there's no actual development I can present anyone right now. Okay. Well, just curious because I've seen yeah. on on the old the old Twitter there that you might be taking on some new new endeavors, maybe some some special purchases and reviews of said purchases. Can you? Yeah. Uh, is that something that yeah. you're you're willing to talk about a little bit? Well, so what it all originated from is I was just trying to come up with more ways that I could personally push content while I was waiting on developments, you know, okay. like maybe this is egotistical of me, but I like to think that I've got a few fans on the interwebs and because it is such a slow project trying to prove the existence of something that might not even exist. Sure. I figure I got to be doing something for them in the meantime, right? So I'm just sitting around, I'm thinking about things, I'm wondering, and all of a sudden I got this insane brain worm, right? The I was best thinking, kind, some would say. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, oh, well, unboxing and product review videos are super popular on YouTube. Sure. How could I put a twist on that and entertain people in the process? And then it occurred to me, eBay has all sorts of wild shit on it. Yes, so I does. went I went to eBay and I punched two different queries into their search bar, cursed and haunted. <laughs> <laughs> so I I figured, you know, when the opportunities come along and as I'm able, I might uh put hands on some of these things. When run a couple simple investigations through them and uh just do YouTube review videos, you know. "Quote unquote unboxing paranormal objects." Yes, I I will tell you that apparently whenever you uh, you punch in "cursed plus haunted" into the old uh, Boolean search bar, you are are in for a wild ride, my friend, and quite a treat. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some wild stuff on there. Actually, I think the uh, so most of my research funding, you know, eighty percent of it comes out of my own pocket. Sure. I do accept donations and I did receive one donation and I'm going to keep the people anonymous until they tell me otherwise requesting one very specific item they found <laughs> and sent to me. Okay. So, uh, be looking for that content as soon as I can put my hands on it and get it shipped to me. It looks like it's got a fairly long shipping time for a reason that I don't understand because it's only over in New York. Well, it's spooky, there. So, you know, yeah. Spooky so it obviously time. takes two extra weeks to ship for <laughs> exactly. whatever reason. Yeah. But, it's, uh, it's probably got to be registered and insured like one of these, like, uh, like an explosives purchase, you know? Sure. Yeah. So you can't, you can't just ship it UPS freight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a content idea. It's something I'm going to be doing for people just to keep them entertained while I focus on my actual projects. I'm also toying with the idea of doing a video series. That's just kind of a, recapsulation and summation of me as I work through my own research. Okay. You know, kind of taking people through what my process looks like, what I'm looking at as sources. It's not that different from the way anyone else would research anything, but I feel like that's a good way to do like many content releases of topics that I'm just thinking about or working on. Sure. You know, sure. and releasing um, my sources and my thought patterns, showing people how I operate a little bit. So is this all going to be based on YouTube? Probably, but not necessarily. Okay. Um, I feel like that's an easy platform to deliver content on just with the way they operate. Right. But 
Uh, and certainly the unboxing style stuff will have to be video content. So sure. that'll probably go on there and maybe Bitbacker or something okay. too. Okay, gotcha. But uh, as as far as that other stuff, as far as, you know, just many looks into my research process, I'm kind of undetermined as to just how I want to do that as of yet. Okay. Whether as a podcast or as a vlog sort of thing, it's undetermined. Sure. Well, before we get out of here, any other, uh, we, we kind of plugged a lot, but any any remaining plugs you want to you wanna put out there? Yeah, well, you know, just the standard mill. Follow me at DogmanRespector on Twitter. If anyone is so moved to donate to the cause, whether generally or for a specific project, there's a link you can do that at right on my Twitter homepage and my pinned tweet. Uh, follow the Gaslight Hour on Twitter as well. Follow Erase the State. Boom. <laughs> um, let's see. One other plug that will be out by the time this releases. But I'm going to go ahead and plug on here anyways. Do it. Do it. Uh, by, the, by the time this releases, I will have released an episode with Mance Raider. Nice. That's yeah, awesome. I was, I was just on Free Man Beyond the Wall. So be on the lookout for that. It's coming. Outstanding. I haven't been on his show, but he's been on mine. So he's Pete's a good dude. We like Pete. Yeah, I love Pete. Um, so like I said, I was just on his show and go find that episode. Check it out. Awesome. Well, pause. Thanks again for coming on the show. As always, you are always welcome. If you ever have something you want to talk about, feel free, man. Hit me up. You're always welcome on, on my, uh, my digital space here. So uh, guys, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, tell a friend, tell the dog man. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> Peace. See ya. Cross the 57 Chevy with a hillbilly van. Had a little honky tonk filled with one night stands. Take a tell him fire with a gun so steel. In dark house space just to seal the deal. Yeah, top 40 country better watch your back. Cause this hot rod's faster than your Cadillac. <laughs>